0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Open Mic Podcast, the official podcast of the Open Mic app, coming soon to an app store near you. But in the meantime, let's hear from the artists. My guest on this episode is a musical duo who proves that pop is craving a more mature, refined sound. They are the first artists that the infamous East-West Studio has decided to support in-house. We talked about their musical chemistry, what it's like working with a studio who has supported some of the world's biggest artists, and getting on Spotify playlists. Please give it up for Austin Ward and yes. But first, listen to a clip from one of the songs they just released on their summer 2-pack, Heat Wave. Yes. thank you so much for joining the podcast today.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank
0: you. have been really excited for this one. Um, since I found your music, I've been listening to it nonstop for the last few days. So thanks so much for joining today. Of course, yeah, thanks pleasure. for having us. So I want to start by talking about how you guys first met um, and what kind of your musical synergy that you had was from the beginning? Like, how did you know this this pairing was right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we met in a really sort of chance encounter organic kind of way. Um, I had just finished recording my first EP as Austin Ward um, at East West Studios, one of the most iconic, infamous studios in Los Angeles, the staple of LA. Um, And from just telling my friends about that, one of them in particular connected me with Yaz, whose family owns East West, and just sort of on on a kind of meet, see if you connect, see if you vibe, maybe you can work together, see what happens. So it was a random July afternoon, um, a little over a year ago, and Yaz and Edin, who's her boyfriend and now a core part of our songwriting team, came over to my house and I started playing some of the stuff I had just recorded and we just totally clicked. It was, it was a very kind of universe alignment kind of moment. Um, And from there we started testing the waters, just writing together and starting to kind of formulate a sound. Um, And we just kind of hit the ground running again. It was like the universe put us in that room on that, on that day for a reason. And we haven't really looked back.
1: Definitely.
0: So let's talk about the, the song Malibu 1992. That's uh. That's been one of your most successful releases so far. It has 250,000 plays on Spotify and 200,000 views on YouTube. Uh, what do you think is is partly due to to this success of the song?
2: I think you know, so Malibu 1992 is a cover by a band called Coin, and it was a song that I just sort of had in my back pocket as something that really I, that really just connected with me. It has such a nostalgic grabbing and unique kind of tone um and nothing against the band coin i'm not but i'm not a band a coin super fan by any means but it was just a song that kind of i found along the way and was thankful that i crossed paths with and i showed it to yaz and and she felt sort of similar feelings we're both la kids born and raised and um, much of the themes that they're talking about is leaving and growing up in this wonderful magical city of ours and the tone had just this nostalgic element that we both really connected with. And we felt that it was kind of the perfect way to just sort of test, again, test the waters and start writing and start creating a, a product. Um, and with no real expectations, um, we got in the studio. We recorded what we felt was our sort of version. It was important that we didn't, you know, copy it word for word, chord for chord, that it felt like a product that was really unique to us and we put it out again with with no expectations but we were beyond proud of it and felt that it was the first time we really heard our voices on top of each other and that sound that is now our sort of staple that kind of one plus one equals three tone that we're really exploiting for all of our original music Mm -hmm. um and we put it live and Funny enough, it was incredibly positively received. Mm -hmm. Um, The morning it was released, it was added to nine New Music Friday playlists on Spotify across the world um, and two Spotify editorial playlists. One, it's still currently sitting on for eight months and counting. Um, And that was sort of the affirmation that we needed or didn't know we needed Mm -hmm. (laughs) to to kind of get our artist project or our, our sort of duet and collaboration really started. Um, and we're so we're so thankful for that song. it's a really
0: important kind of piece in our story, yeah absolutely. So like we talked about before the podcast, too, that was kind of confirmation that that you guys were meant to have this duet.
1: definitely, yeah, I mean, we were in the studio one day and we were working on original music, and you know we had that like every artist struggles with that feeling of, oh, we want to release it right now, we want people to hear it right now, but being smart and strategic about promoting it. And it was kind of the moment where we realized, why don't we just release a cover and people can get a taste of what's to come. And, you know, like Austin said, it, it did much better than we ever imagined it would do. And, you know, that was the affirmation we needed to keep going.
0: For all the artists that want to live vicariously through you for a minute, give me your initial reaction of just waking up one morning and having it having your song added to a Spotify playlist. What was that like?
2: The funniest part about that story is I was actually working a full-time job at the time at um, a company called Awal, which I'm sure many up-and-coming artists are familiar with. Um, it, it's the the new age sort of label that that Cobalt Music started. Um, and so I was both working there and distributing music through them. And I'll never forget that morning because there, or that Friday, when the store turns and you learn about playlist placements, um, that you know an email gets sent to the whole company with with what got on new music friday and mine and yaz's name was was right on there and i I was getting the weirdest looks around the office because i don't think anyone had taken me seriously as an artist before they still saw me as an employee but that was the moment that everyone was like oh shit what (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: it was pretty surreal like you know i I had started music not not too soon before that and just to see that response from people was just like insane and really did affirm that you know at least you know for me I was really doing the right thing and I was taking the steps that I needed to to get to where I wanted to be so it was surreal.
0: And for all the artists out there that either cover a song or sample a song in some way talk a bit about how you can put your own spin on that. I I know you started talking briefly about that, but I know that's something that a lot of artists do and and some artists struggle with, with kind of putting their own direction on it. Um, Walk me through your process for doing that um, on Malibu
2: 1992. Um, Sorry, there's someone knocking at my door. Okay. Um, We're we're good. Um, I think the most important thing is defining your approach from the start. So, Taking knowing what's magic about the original, definitely not wanting to lose that essence. But the way a cover is really impactful is is fans are experiencing the song in a new light. Mm-hmm. So for us, the original was largely produced um, seemingly it, it had very synthetic sounds. It sounded like there was lots of synths and sort of atmospheric textures. Um, and so a way that we initially flipped it on its head or pushed ourselves to start from a place that felt different was recording it with real players in a room so myself on guitar and two of my bandmates on bass and drums and ed and our collaborator on on piano and so it had a very different kind of organic tone and texture um from the get-go so i think my advice is just really define your perspective and how you want to change the song from the start before it's too late and you end up creating a product, you're like, oh, this sounds kind of exactly like what yeah. you know, what what it was, was going it for. was
1: important for us to really like stray away from, you know, making it sound exactly like the original and, you know, to have our own spin on it as artists. You know, that's that's a big part of it too, is like really finding your sound. And um, you know, that that's what that's what makes the difference.
0: Yeah. So you talked about how your what your direction was like in pop, uh, in the pop genre for that song. Um, I know this is something that's tough for artists to talk about a lot of times talking about their genre from a macro perspective. But your music seems to kind of have a mature kind of refined sound to it. Where where do you think the genre of pop? is going and how does your, the sound that you're creating align with the direction of pop as a genre? Yeah,
2: really interesting question. Um, I think,
0: you know, <laughs> as someone
2: who also does a lot of session work and, and, play, and records and plays for other artists, you know, often I'm seeing this sort of marriage between um, new acts and new musicians entering the market and internet and social media culture. Um, you know whether these folks have audiences to start or not. They're they're thinking from the get go. How do I how do I sound exactly like X? Or you know how do I define my lane so specifically that fans will immediately just gravitate from one person that they get and understand to another. Mm-hmm. And it was important to us that that uh, you know that's just not our approach at all. We start with what feels organic to Yaz and I, who are our inspirations what are the songs that really make us tick or the ones that have just kind of been with us through our life journey and we always turn back to. That's the kind of magic that we want to take from because if you if you take bits and pieces of all of the music that you love and you connect with, you create something really organic and special to you that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, sort of what I was speaking to with Malibu is, you know, we always start with players in a room and you know, it's real instrumentation, um, not just starting with a MIDI keyboard or doing everything in the box, as they say. Um, you know, I'm personally inspired by sort of the great American songbook, from Frank Sinatra to Elvis, to Johnny Cash, et cetera, that kind of true songwriting, singer-songwriter vibe. And I think marrying that with some of the modern pop sensibility to, you know, to be, to appeal to a modern listener is kind of that sweet spot that we seek to to strike.
1: Right. And also interesting about our music is that, you know, our one of the producers that we brought on, Ed and my boyfriend, um, he works largely in hip hop. And I feel like, you know, obviously that's dominating right now. So I feel like with his take and like our take, we have very multi-genre um, sound. So, you know, we don't even curate to just pop or curate to just indie or hip hop. We kind of infuse all of it to kind of harmonize harmoniously come together so yeah. I feel like that's really what makes the difference we don't just play to one genre we play to multiple
2: yeah and, and Edin does a wonderful job of taking all of the ideas that Yaz and I constantly have vocal ideas instrumental ideas song ideas and sort of shining them in a light that again would appeal to a modern listener taking these sort of more traditional
0: song formats and making them hit, current hit making them current, current like yeah. they should mm-hmm. It's so important to understand kind of where you fall in the grand scheme of things as an artist. So it's it's nice to hear that you guys seem like you have a, a firm grasp on that It's a, because it's so important. I also understand that you have the honor of working in East West Studios. You're the first artist that they're actually supporting in-house. What does that mean to you guys, having the opportunity to work um, in East West Studios?
1: It's insane, you know, I obviously, you know, my dad owns the studio, Doug Rogers, and um, it's it's really surreal for me to, you know, as a young adult to, you know, see me growing up in, in that environment, and then being, you know, an artist that they support, and that you know, we really do everything from the ground up at that place, and it, it really is such a special environment for us, and, you know, even the team of people that work at East West, like, they're such an integral part to this whole process, too. The engineers we work with, you know it, it and you know like the mix engineers that we work with it's it's and just the environment there the people that are there all the time it's just it's really inspiring to be there and and obviously the rich history like it it's insane and yeah, yeah and
2: it's so it's so humbling honestly and inspiring just to know who else has recorded in those rooms and that we're sort of in that same breath and you know we're just all, it feels such like a family I think it was it's so cool that one of my best friends is an engineer there and it all just kind of feels like this familial environment um and we're just grateful truly
0: have you been able to meet any of uh any of the pretty big artists that have worked in east west studios while you were there
1: we see them walking around (laughs) we don't want to bother them but we see them walking around and we appreciate it you know especially when we you know, reference some songs, like I know for one of our songs, we referenced, you know, Coldplay and we saw Chris Martin walking in the halls the next day. And it just, you know, it's, it's really surreal to see like, you know, people that you looked up to and you reference their music and then they're there in the same establishment as you. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild.
0: So I understand that you have Michael Freeman um, doing your mixes and he else, he actually mixed for, Coldplay and Harry Styles, how, um, how, what is it like working with, with Michael Freeman?
1: He's great. He, um, he's assistant to Spike Stent, who's worked with like literally everyone under the sun, people like Beyonce, Harry Styles, Coldplay, you know, Janet Jackson, amazing people that, you know, were honored to even be in his presence. So, you know, working with michael is like working with a friend like he he's with us with the whole process and he knows what it's supposed to sound like and and he's just he's a really chill guy there's no ego when it comes with all of us and you know it's very just word by word basis we're just talking constantly and and he's he's as much a part of the process as as us (laughs)
2: Yeah, and he's—I think—sort of what Yaz was saying is he's so humble and hungry. He's young. He's—he's he's similar to our age, and you know, as Spike, who he works for, has such an illustrious career, he's still—you know—even though he's working on some of these mixes for iconic artists, he's still trying to make a name for himself. Mm-hmm. And so he's excited to be a part of our story, and
0: we're excited to be a part of his. Honestly,
1: he's great. He takes the music to the next level. Okay.
0: So given that he's worked with such iconic artists, he's obviously very good at what he does. What is it like when um, maybe he, he mixes the song in a way that you guys don't necessarily agree with, or does it happen? Do you ever give him any, any pushback with the process?
1: Um, we definitely give him notes, you know, like it's, it's never, you know, it's never done by the first mix that we receive, but um, that's, you know, that's normal being that he's not there while we're creating it. And he doesn't you know, know exactly what we want it to be. But right. we're very, you know, we all have like a, a thread where we talk together. And like I said, he never gets like, oh, I think it should be this way or this or that. He really listens and caters to the artists and knows and wants it to sound exactly how we want to put it out there. So, you know, it's it's very organic when it when it's all of us, you know, working together and Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I'm always so impressed by his talent. Like, you know, he, we may deliver a song to mix and he'll send back the first draft and he just kind of interprets the track for whatever reason in a different way than we did. And so he paints it with one brush and one kind of palette and it sounds totally cohesive, but not necessarily the song that we want to make. Mm -hmm. And then we'll tell him that and give him that feedback. And then he's like, okay, takes out another paintbrush, paints it with another palette and it's like, yeah, how about this version? And it's like totally right. So yeah. just the ability to approach a song from that kind of macro perspective and just little leveling tweaks and his whatever magic he does. Yeah. I don't know it. I don't I, I can't he's got magic. <laughs> but um, you know, that just like I said, that seeing a song from that, that ten thousand feet level and knowing how to pull and push in different ways to just create the, the end product that we want. Yeah.
0: One of my favorite music videos from you guys is Got Your Love. It just, it looks like you're having so much fun in the music video. Was it as fun as it looks?
1: It was, it was, was it was so much fun to do that video. Um, We always felt like we had to pay a little homage to East West. So we decided to do our first music video there and um, you know, such a fun explosive song and, you know we really wanted to play with like a live band environment and really like have the music like shine through authentically like us performing and you know playing with different colors and different lighting to really just show the song you know the justice it you know was done and and really fun explosive huge moment and i feel like the the video paid off
2: <laughs> yeah it's rare you get to wear white overalls and jump around in Studio One at East West
1: with, and call it a music video. And call it
2: a music video. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. yeah, it was cool. And it was fun to experiment and again, like that live that live performance feel was sort of the anchor of the creative brief and what we wanted to get across. But just playing with, you know, the explosive lighting, the colors, um, we had a projector going that was hitting our face and creating all these really interesting textures and just being able to experiment and and it felt like being in a playground
1: yeah we had a really cool director james mackle like we brought him on he's worked with a lot of you know hip-hop artists notably like asap Rocky, and has done some videos for him so this was like also an interesting spin for him working with two pop artists and it was just like a organic process, and we all had such a blast doing it. So it translated.
0: <laughs> For those that don't know, you have your EP Heat Wave coming out this Friday. Give our listeners a little bit of a sneak peek on on what they can expect to to hear from that.
2: Yeah, totally. So Heat Wave is uh, an end of summer two pack. So it is an EP, but. But we like the. I think two pack is catchy. <laughs> I like that too. Um, but it's two really unique, fresh, interesting songs that are different, but both speak to the end of summer in 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 sort of their own way. Um, it starts with the track "Better Place," which is kind of this upbeat like indie rock teenage fever dream about kind of youth and wanderlust and rebellion and. Um, it should score all of your favorite rom-coms and, you know, it's kind of, it has that energy and that like youthful spirit, um, that just feels like summer. It feels like when the, you know, the sun doesn't set till eight, um, and just that kind of sun-soaked vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is totally contrasted with, uh, someone else in mind, which is a much more kind of Afro-Latin, you know, on a, on a white sand beach somewhere in the dark, with tiki torches kind of <laughs> feeling um, that is, you know, whereas better places is about sort of optimism and youth and us against the world. Someone else in mind is about love and lust. It's about, you know, how the, the heat wave, the heat, the hot ridden nights of summer kind of push lovers who are potentially in, in relationships that shouldn't exist any longer or they're, their yeah, they're feeling temptation in other ways um, it's just speaking to that feeling that I feel like we've all gone through in some capacity and summer kind of brings that to a bowling point in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're both just really unique songs that we're proud of and thematically
0: go together, but sonically can totally stand on their own. Totally. I said it will be coming out this Friday, but this podcast will be released on Tuesday. So if you're listening to this right now, you can already go grab your copy of Heatwave. Tell the people where they can find it. Everywhere.
1: Everywhere. At everywhere. <laughs> At everywhere. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Streaming services. It's distributed through the wonderful AWOL so that global distribution, no matter where you are, you can find it.
1: By Tuesday, the music video will definitely be out, so check that out.
0: Yeah. Go check it out, guys.
1: Go check it out.
0: Well, Austin Warden, yes, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really had a fun time talking with you guys.
1: Thank you. You too. We had a great time.
0: So much fun. and that's it folks i hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast if you are an artist and would like to have a chance to be on the open mic app podcast all you simply have to do is go to www.theopenmicapp.com podcast again if you weren't listening that's www.theopenmicapp.com podcast i hope to see you there peace